Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, New Bedford Festival Theater, and Mother Earth Wellness. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have legendary singer Johnny Mathis. He is known for such classics as Wonderful, Wonderful, A Time for Us, Too Much, Too Little, Too Late, and of course, Chances Are. Mathis will be at Providence Performing Arts Center on September 23rd for what is dubbed as a special birthday concert. Mr. Mathis here. How are you? I'm well for an old man. Not bad. Thank you. Can't believe you're going to be 88 years old. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, my father's 88 years old. I still travel. I still sing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he hobbles around at 88 and you're still out touring. You know what? I don't know whether it was meant to be or not, but from the time I was very young, I was a high jumper and a hurdler on the track team, and I played basketball with the great Bill Russell, and I don't know, that was kind of a a good time to grow up. I sort of kept going. I still go to the gym in the morning and work out a little bit, so evidently uh, it stood me in good stead all these years. And, uh, of course, singing, I sing because my dad sang, and but I've been singing since I was a kid, and, and it's just like, I don't know, it's just like eating or sleeping, you know, I sing. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. I'm a musician as well. I mean, I perform almost every day, so I get it. It's just, you know, it, it hopefully keeps you going. I, I One of the things, like, I noticed is that Dolly Parton made a quote the other day that says she has no plans of retiring and hopes she just dies on stage. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, as long as you can move and function, uh, you know, it, that's what you've been doing for so long. And I don't know. I think other people, it's according to whether they have other responsibilities other than what they do. And I come from a large family. My mom, my dad had seven kids. And uh, I've been by myself all these years, traveling all over the world. And I'm kind of interested in, you know, traveling and meeting new people all the time. I think you really have no control over what the general public thinks about you uh, if they don't know your name or something. Uh, Because I've been singing and traveling since I was, oh, 18 years old. And now I'm almost 90. I just find that, I just, like I said, I just find it amazing. I mean, a lot of people are going on their farewell tours now, and you're still, you have no plans of retiring, do you? I don't know what I would do. I, I think I'd be bored stiff if I didn't travel and think. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, I, it, retirement is good if you work a, a job where it's you don't enjoy it, it's, it's physically taxing on your body, and you can't do it. But if you love it, why not do it? Why stop? I mean, if it's, if you're doing something you love why stop you know yeah a lot of my girlfriends because over the years after i started they were recording i i made a lot of recordings for different wonderful lady singers uh, barbara streisand lena horn uh you name it i've sung with them it was fun and i learned a little something about i don't know you know the other side being a man all my life and I, they taught me how to do certain things and how to stay safe and not go crazy and <laughs> carry on 
So I've been very lucky in so many ways. And then, too, my voice has held up all these years. A lot of times, you know, people who don't study voice, and they do a few little in, improper things, and then they lose their voice. But I've been lucky in that regard. And uh, and I still sing once in a while. I uh, have, uh, you know, a few engagements here and there. But uh, mostly, um, I'm, uh, I'm very happy and very content. I get up and I go to the gym in the morning and do my little workout and, um, and have some fun in life. Yeah. Uh, you... you- you were trained. I mean, you started taking lessons when you were 13 years old, and you took them for six years. So you're a trained vocalist, which is, you know, unusual for somebody, especially at that time. A lot of people just sang, but you, you've really took the time to learn how to do it properly. That was my blessing. Absolutely. And so many of my girlfriends that I recorded it over the years have lost their voices. A lot of the uh, the men, and I think it has to do with if you learn from an early age how to produce your voice without harming it, or you're going to be okay. But uh, I know a lot of people from the time I was very young and I traveled, a lot of the the people who were blessed with beautiful voices. But if you don't take lessons and learn how to do it properly, eventually it catches up with you. And, uh, you know, and then it's over because you walk around and you can hardly talk about right. us thing. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that I remember, I mean, I grew up, my parents love you. They have tickets to your show in September. They've seen you multiple times. Um, I remember seeing, I mean, I, I remember your music because I grew up with your music. And I remember seeing people, comedians on TV, kind of mimicking your voice, and I remember John, <laughs> John Biner doing. I, I remember John Biner doing an imitation of you, and they always do. You have this uh, this affectation in your voice where you kind of like your your voice drops out for like a second, and it kind of like and they 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 kind of hopped on that. They they pushed that, and he did this, but he actually could sing when he did his imitation of you, and he did a spot-on invitation of you on the Ed Sullivan show. How do you feel yeah, about, I how was, do you feel about those things? I laughed at it. Uh, my dad took offense. My dad was my best pal. He had seven kids. He's the reason I sang, and occasionally he would see people trying to imitate me on television, and he'd get a little pissed off at them. <laughs> yeah, son, what are they doing? They don't sound anything like you. <laughs> Okay, Pop, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I, I like that. I mean, actually, when I sing, I have a little bit of that same affectation in my voice where my voice kind of cuts out a little bit. You know, not mimicking you, but kind of in that same vein where I understand it. It's just it's just the way I sing, and I'm sure it's just the way you've adapted your voice to sing as well. Yeah, we. I used to have fun when I was very young because I come up a large family. We had no money or anything, and I was so grateful when I started to sing that people would pay me to sing, and I came home and told my mom and my dad that they had seven kids. All they did was work, work, work. And I came home, I'll never forget it, and I told them, you never, ever have to work again. <laughs> and my, my father looked at me and said, son, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, you don't have to work. I've made so much money, and I'll just give it to you guys, and you just stay home with mom. He couldn't believe it because he had seven kids and he and my mom worked all the time. Yeah, but anyway, that, that's are, great that you took th care of them. Those are some of the blessings that I've had in my life, yeah. Mm. I, I know that when you were young, you, you were a very good athlete and you actually had to make the choice between being a recording artist and being on the Olympic team, didn't you? You were that good. I got a real chance to go on the Olympic teams as a high jumper. If I would go to, to the interview or whatever you call it, I forget 
what it was called. But during the same week, this wonderful man who was the head of jazz music for Columbia Records had heard me sing in San Francisco as he, as he was passing through. And he finally, because he, he had heard me sing for a period of about three or four years. And then he finally told me, he said, John, we're going to take you to New York and you're going to start your career as a singer on uh, Columbia Records. And that is how it happened. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to have the choice between those those are two pretty life-defining choices, both of them, you know. If you had been on the Olympic team, you could have been a gold medalist, and you've, you know, you've been uh, a, an award-winning songwriter for 70 years. So it's like, you know, you're actually, your your singing career went on much longer than you probably could have as a high jumper. I can't imagine you doing high jumping at this age. That would, <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> So, but you're an avid golfer as well, aren't you? Absolutely. I got very lucky at an early age. I was raised in San Francisco, and uh, I had some friends who played, and they were very kind to me and took me under their, their wings. And uh, it's been a blessing in my life playing golf. I learned a lot about how to act in public. I come from a large family. My mom had that seven kids. <laughs> I, you know, I needed an inspiration and I was so happy that I got a chance to play golf at an early age and, you know, and how to be a, a good, good stand-up person and certain rules on the golf course, of course, and, and I still play all the time. I, I noticed that you've had nine lifetime hole-in-ones. Holes-in-one. <laughs> holes-in-one. I don't know if it's holes-in-one or hole-in-ones. Yeah, because of my, my music, I've traveled all over the world. I lived in England, I lived in Scotland, I lived in France, and I got to play golf with all these incredibly good golfers. In fact, I can't remember how it happened, but I had my own golf tournament, and I hosted, oh, I know what it was. After these famous golfers like Lee Trevino and Jack Nicholson, and all of them had run out of, you know, run out of stuff for the regular tournament, they hired me to host them and after uh, I hosted Jack Nicholas and Trevino and you name them after they had came from the regular tour it was kind of fun it's all the perks of celebrity you get to do for these very cool things you get to travel you get to I mean you've sung at the White House it's amazing what you've got to do I mean it's amazing that you've had a 70-year career I mean that in itself is an accomplishment some people don't even have a seven-year career you've had a 70-year career and you've been you're one of the longest longest artists artist at Capitol Records, right? Or is it Columbia? I'm sorry. Columbia. Columbia. Columbia Records. You're the longest, one of the longest artists at Columbia Records. You've been on them with a slight little dip for, at Mercury for a couple of years, but you've been at Columbia for all that time. Yeah. Amazing. That Absolutely is amazing. That's unheard of because but, without having battles with your record company, I watch documentaries of musicians all the time and I see they're constantly having battles with their record companies and you've been at the same record company and pretty much have been happy all along. All along. Yeah. I come from a large family and my dad was my best pal and I had six brothers and sisters. So we were used to sharing and, and being, you know, and being grateful for all the little amenities that we had along the way. And it stood me in good stead uh, all these years with, the, you know, with situations with the record companies and uh, all these performances that I did all over the world. I lived in France. I lived in Germany. I lived in England. And uh, it's it's helped me so much because I've come from, I don't, you know, most people don't realize I come from a large family. We had no money, but we were fortunate because we grew up in San Francisco and everybody sort of embraced us. And uh, that's how I got started with my music. You're originally from Texas. Now, how do you see your upbringing 
being different if you stayed in Texas? Do you think you would have had a lot of problems with your uh, with your life and your uh, your career and such if you'd stayed in Texas as opposed to San Francisco? I'm sure there were but in circumstances where I had to avoid and had to go in a different direction, uh, not from my own choosing. Of course, living in California, everybody's the same, and none of that existed. And I was happy, happy, happy. And I most I was mostly happy for my mom and my dad. And they worked their butt off all the time. You know, if they had stayed in Texas, it would have never happened. So we went to New we went to San Francisco. Amazingly, I started to sing, and uh, I got noticed by some of the biggest jazz musicians and people in the world. And I started out as a jazzer, actually. And then this man from Columbia Records was well, George Bakken was the man who signed me. He was the head of jazz. And then this guy made the name of Mitch Miller. <laughs> he was Mitch quite a character. He was quite a character. Yeah, and he had a television show or something like that. And it was very corny. Uh, but anyway, he heard me sing and said, these kids, I think they sing great. And uh, I ended up, fortunately, on Columbia Records. Because of my, my studies, jazz-wise, growing up in San Francisco, I sang kind of everything. And it helped me in my, uh, my performances for popular music uh, that I got involved with. Now you've put out, now I don't know if the count is still accurate, but 79 albums? Has it gone up since then? Or is it still at 79? I think it's still at 79. That's an Because all of, the all of the people that, you know, supported me uh, in the record company have all passed away. Oh, and geez. so... You know, the new ones don't know who I am and they don't care because <laughs> my, my music is probably old-fashioned to them. Yeah. Your music is classic. I mean, there you your songs, you know, Chances Are, Wonderful, Wonderful, your Christmas music, I mean, right there alone, you have classic Christmas songs that get played every Christmas and will be played every Christmas till... Till the end of time, probably, and you know, your chances are right along, right there. That song is is a song that will probably be played forever. I mean, it's been in movies. I remember it from Close Encounters. That scene where Chances Are is playing and the little kid gets abducted by the the spacecraft. I mean, I that song is burned in my brain from that that moment but i mean there are so many other films that it's in and it will constantly be in films and will constantly be played i mean that's a song that is going to live on probably centuries after you that's the way music is you know look uh, i studied voice with uh, an opera teacher all of those opera singers and songs are still very valid if that's what you want to listen to yeah, and I've been lucky in that regard. A lot of the uh, popular songs that I've sung over the years have hung around and people remember them, yeah. When you do a performance nowadays, what what do you include in your performance? Do you include all your classic songs? Do you include any modern songs? Like, I mean, I know like Tony Bennett used to like throw in some like newer song to kind of throw things a little bit? Do you ever do interpretation of newer songs? Or do you stick with the classics? I mean, most people just want to hear the classics anyway, but I'm just wondering what you do in a performance these days. I do crazy things. <laughs> as, long, as long as I sing what they want to hear me sing, you know, chances are the 12th of never, wonderful, wonderful, it's not for me to say. And as long as I do that, I get away with murder on the stage because... <laughs> You know, you get bored singing the same old songs all the time. So, ah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, how about this? And you sing some song in French or German or something, you know. And they go, yeah, my sister, songs are good. But you get away with murder as long as you do 
what you're supposed to do. I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Now, you have that song with Denise Williams, Too Much Too Little Too Late. Do you have somebody that does that song with you on stage, or does that song not make it into the set? I mean, you have all these duets. Do you have somebody that sings the duets with you when you perform? Oh, I do crazy things on a stage. I say, let me listen. I sang it with Barbara Streisand. I sang with, you know, Denise Williams and Dionne Warwick. And I have fun with the audience. You know, I used to carry some sort of deal that where they would play the ladies singers with me and I would sing along on stage in person but they would take I don't know we did something crazy I said I want just their voice so that you know I can sing along with them and uh, somehow we did that but then I got bored with that and <laughs> so I just I just do a regular performance now you know I don't worry about it but you know when you're young and crazy you do stuff like that yeah. Of all the performances you've ever done is the one that stands out in your mind that is probably your favorite oh gosh there's so many i can't even name them i lived in england for about five or six years did you play for the I queen sang in, i sang for the queen i sang in germany i sang in france and unfortunately i grew up in san francisco and my voice teacher told me that you know you're gonna have to learn them singing languages and so very early on, I sang in French and German and Italian, and it was easy for me. And, and I lived in France and England for a long time. It's, it's been a wonderful career. I've been very lucky that my voice has held out all these years. I was lucky that I got the proper lessons when I was young. My dad was my best singer, and my dad made sure that I did the right things and what have you. And uh, what a, a, a blessing it has been to my life growing up with a father, just like my best friend. And he sang, and that's the reason I sang, yeah. Your whole career, is there something that people have interviewed you have failed to ask you? What is something that you wish that somebody would ask you that you could answer that question about? Is there anything that you would like to say that nobody ever asked you about? Oh, no. <laughs> They've asked me about everything. <laughs> but, no, I'm... I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty accustomed to the fact that people want to hear me sing and not talk. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear you talk because I like to hear what goes on behind the music. Because I, being a musician, I like to know, you know, how how people live their lives and and how musicians keep their careers up. Especially some like you, who's who's come from such humble beginnings and and eked out a seventy year career in that time. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky I had a wonderful mother and father, and we had nothing, really. And what happened was when I started to sing, and fortunately, we were raised in San Francisco, and there was a lot going on musically and every other thing. And we come from a black family. My my father and my mother, actually, my, mom, my mom's father was white, but her husband was black. But we were all a black family in San Francisco, and we were happy to be there because we were born in Texas, <laughs> and... And my dad said, son, we've got to get out of here. Mm. <laughs> okay, Pop. <laughs> and I've had so many blessings in my life that you can't have a reason for. Uh, you're just lucky in that regard. Yeah. How many members of your of your immediate family, your parents and your brothers and sisters, are still around? Oh, you know what? Years ago, I stopped counting and also stopped calling to find out if my brothers and sisters... Uh, I have six brothers and sisters, and... Uh, 
We were all very, very close, and I like to remember them the way they were. And uh, they were very proud of the fact that over the years I had some success with my music. And uh, we talked to each other and called each other all the time for years. And then all of a sudden, you get to a certain age in life, and uh, I don't know. I like to think of them as being alive and not... Uh, usually, in, in case they pass away, usually somebody in their family or their children, because they had a lot of children, my brothers and sisters, and... Uh, they would call and tell me. But you know what? I haven't got any bad feelings because my brothers and sisters lived a very long life and we all were very, very close. And you know, what more can you ask for? Yeah. When you uh, go out and tour, are there some areas that you find it harder to, to play in than others? Or are there certain areas that you just stick to that are your favorites? Well, I think if you talk to most musicians and people who travel and make a living traveling, there are certain places you go and it's wonderful and there are other places you go and it's awful. <laughs> but you go there because you have to. That's, they got the money and you need the money because you have to live. Um, and so you go to these places, but you don't have to live with them. You can just sing for them and then you can move on and go someplace else later. <laughs> Now, do you still tour internationally, or do you stick to the United States now? Well, I travel all the time. I, I live all over the world. I lived in France. I lived in Germany. Oh, um, you still live in other countries? You still have residences there? No, I don't. But I still feel very close associated with my life in those places, because I lived there and I worked there. And it's a wonderful feeling, because I get to put it all in my music when I sing on stage. The things I learned in South America, for instance. Now, your family's from South America. I mean, that's what your, your origins are from South America, aren't you? Aren't you? Yes. And so, you know, you know all sorts of little things that help you along in life all the time. And it's a blessing. Absolutely. Now, do you have a favorite country to go to besides the United States to perform in? Where they really, like, I know certain bands have huge followings, like some, you know, some band might have a huge following in Japan. Some band has a huge following in South America or, or England or Australia. Where outside of the United States is your biggest following? Great Britain. And I work there, I, uh, and, uh, you know, in concerts all over Great Britain. I played golf with some of the greatest players in the world and had my own golf tournament. Uh, for the seniors after they got off the regular tour and I hosted the Lee Trevino, Zach Nicholas, and you name them. I had that in my life along with the singing and it's been a, it's been a great life. I haven't had, I haven't been bored. I haven't, I haven't, uh, you know, uh, stopped enjoying uh, life. Well, and uh, it's been a blessing. That'll Absolutely. Keep, that'll keep you going. Now, I, I'm not a golfer and I know nothing about golf, but don't golfers have a handicap? Do you know what your handicap is? I used to know I would say that I could play with anybody with about a 10 handicap, which is uh, very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I know nothing about golf, but I know that that's a word that golfers throw around. And, and you being a golfer, if I didn't ask that, I'm sure somebody will ask me, did you ask me? Ask him what his handicap was? <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what your handicap is, because uh, you always have to live up to it, but sometimes you can't. As long as you can play. That's all that counts. Who do you play golf with usually? Everybody. <laughs> Every, everybody can. I play with presidents. I play with their wives. I uh, I spent a lot of time working with several different presidents in uh, in my life, and so it's been a wonderful life. And so you embrace all of this, and you learn that people are people all over the world, but they all have wonderful little things that, if you're lucky enough to share with them, uh, you have a lot of fun in life. Yeah. 
Well, I one thing I have to commend you for is your outlook on life and your gratitude about what you do because a lot of people take what they do for granted and you seem very grateful for having the opportunity to have a seven year career, which is which is a rarity I find in talking to a lot of people because a lot of people, like I said, just take their careers for granted. Uh, they just steamroll ahead, but you seem very happy, very at peace with yourself. You seem very sincerely grateful for what you have. That's that's a very good thing, and I admire that. I was very lucky. I grew up in a large family. I had six brothers and sisters. My dad and my mom were my best pal. What more do I need? <laughs> well, on that, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thank you for taking the time and speaking with me. I look forward to your show in September. It's going to be your 88th birthday. On Is September 23rd actually your birthday? September 30th. Oh, okay. This, this the show on the 23rd in at uh, Providence Performing Arts Center is noted as your birthday performance, so I guess you're going to be celebrating a week early. Ah, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're only as old as you feel, they say. Is that right? Yeah. That's true. Well, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for calling, and I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck to you, and hope you have another long, long time ahead of you. Thank you so much. Okie dokie. Thanks to Johnny Mathis for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Mathis will be coming to Providence Performing Arts Center on September 23rd for what is dubbed as a special birthday concert for Mathis. For more, don't wait until the 12th of never. Just get to ppacri.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, New Bedford Festival Theater, and Mother Earth Wellness. Thanks for listening.